What up, everybody? Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Adam Meredith. If this is your first time joining us. Welcome. So glad to have you here. Every week, I'm sitting down with some interesting people, and I'm just trying to gain some perspective on the world. I mean, that's all we can do is just gain some perspective. How many times have you like, man, I just wish I had the perspective for fill in the fucking blank, whatever it is. And that's what I'm doing, man. I'm just connecting with humans. Gaining some perspective, learning some shit, and just trying to figure out this thing that we call life. Uh, Hopefully you guys are enjoying the ride. If you are, do me a favor, hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Also leave a five-star rating and review, especially on Apple Podcasts. It really helps the podcast grow and it helps other people find the show. Uh, this episode is brought to you by my good friends over at Jumbo Superfoods. They make the best fucking CBD products around. You can go to CBD. Uh, you can go to JumboCBD.com. Check out everything they have, man. They have sprays. I love the cinnamon spray, but the mint spray is fire as well. They have a ghee, which I love to cook with. Uh, they have bombs, which has been uh, the muscle bomb. I love the lip bomb, but the muscle bomb has been game changing. For just recovery, I put it on joints and muscles when they're sore. Uh, they have drops; you can't go wrong with the drops. Um, we give the drops. To, uh, you know, I have I use the drops. I give them to my kids. I add it when I'm cooking. Give it to the pet. Uh, man, they just all their products are high quality. You know, you're not getting any of the junk or the fillers because. They send everything to a third-party laboratory to be tested, so you know you're not getting that shit. And they actually post those results uh, on their website if you'd like to check those out yourself. So you can go to jumbocbd.com, use the code OUTSIDE when you check out. You'll save 20% off of the entire order. Also, they damn near always are doing buy two, get one free. So throw two in the cart. I bet you get that third one for free, and then you'll save 20% off of that entire order. So, man, just check out the bomb if you want to check out something. I know most of us have, you know, pains and bumps and aches, and the bomb is the shit. So go check that out, jombocbd.com. Use the code outside when you check out. I'm sitting down with a three-peat guest. Oh, my professor, my brother, Tracy Taylor. I love this guy to death. He is, you know, like a brother, a mentor. Uh, You know, he's a professor in jujitsu, but uh, we really dive into mindset and we talk some philosophy and jujitsu. We're always talking jujitsu, competition. And, uh, man, we just kind of go off in a whole bunch of different places. But I, I always love sitting down with my brother, Tracy. And, uh, man, so here we go, guys. For the third time, Tracy Taylor. I'm doing this clap thing now. Sync the audio. All- Although oh, shit. Let me see. Do it again. What? Oh, this? I don't really even think it syncs the audio, though. <laughs> oh, okay. Tracy Taylor. My yeah, man. man. Dude, so we're both doing respect. How are you feeling about that? It's jiu-jitsu. I know, man, but you don't compete 
that often outside of Worlds, and you got fire under your ass after Worlds, dude. I don't, I don't mind. Nobody <laughs> likes losing. <laughs> but beat me. Yeah. Beat me. Fight me. Yeah. So I committed to it before Worlds, so I'd already said I'd do it. And, yeah. And we've already discussed probably three three different times doing, you know, different cards, and it just never worked out. Injuries or mm. life gets in the way. So I said I'd do this one, and that was before Worlds, but I wanted to focus on that first. and. Here we are. When is it's next month, right? In October? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 16th. The 16th? Yeah. We should probably know that. Right? The f- yeah. I have no idea. It's just another day. You know, and I don't look at it um, like I don't compete often because, I mean, I've been doing since I was three, been wrestling. So, yeah. It's just another day, really. It really is. I like that it's here because they're normally in Kansas City, right? No, they do several here. Do they? Yeah. All the ones, they asked me to do that last Kansas City one. <sighs> to be quite honest, kind of glad I didn't. Really? Production value. Wasn't there? No. And mm. I, no disrespect. They've done some phenomenal ones. Yeah. Phenomenal ones. And, um, you know, if you're going to do something, you're going to take your time away. You just, you'd rather, you know what I mean? You'd rather yeah. be worth it. Uh, right. Oh, absolutely. It's always worth it. So It's I a three-hour drive there. It's much better when it's at home. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, it's always an experience. And yeah. Family. And one thing I think that's fun is people get caught up in, you know, man, I have to eat the right meal. I have to have the right sock. I need those socks to do this. Oh, yeah. You have to go through your preparation. Baseball players, um, hockey goalies, I don't get stuck with any of those things. I never have. I always, like routines. Really always like superstitious. Do the, yeah. I do the opposite. <laughs> like if I had that one thing that one time, then I won't have that thing. Yeah. So I never get caught in that trap. So KC would have been kind of fun just because you get to go out and test yourself again. Yeah, yeah. Well, I like to systematize things, so I don't mind doing the same thing. Like whenever, whenever I'd cut weight, I had a system. Well, that's different. That's cutting weight, you know. So you have to follow that protocol to be successful. Yeah. But what do you do when something goes wrong for competition? Because you've, you know, you put yourself in that system, and you're like, I don't know what to do outside of that system. Oh yeah, like when you're being like rigid with the way yeah. you're performing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, man, I forgot. I don't have that belt. I don't have my lucky belt. Oh, yeah, people are weird like that. Yeah, so I never worry about that kind of stuff. So I just kind of free. Go yeah. Go do, do, have fun. Yeah. Man, the uh, where the, where's it at? I feel like, uh, I don't know, you should know this. <laughs> <laughs> You're the one who's been posting about it. I should probably advertise for it. I just don't. I don't I want to sell tickets. I don't care. I don't, I'm not even really <laughs> concerned about that. I, it's, uh, you know, I think I've, one of the first things I posted was I'm accepting sponsors now. Oh yeah, and I think your I, posts are hilarious. I, and I'm and I try to have fun. <laughs> and, I, and, and I think when I mentioned uh, accepting sponsors, it was um, God, what's that? Uh, I hate that freaking chocolate. What's that uh, chocolate? Australian chocolate. Um, yeah, so the wrong guy. Oh man, I like I dark know. chocolate. Yeah, that's good for you too. Seventy. I usually get eighty-five percent cacao. Yeah, but I don't know what chocolate you're talking about. Yeah, it's the frosting crap that a lot of people like. I don't like. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. I mentioned anywho. them because I I can't stand it, and they'd be uh you know they'd be great for a sponsor. But I was it was all in jokes. But I try to have fun with it. Oh yeah. And it's not about the ticket sales. If you sell some, whatever. But it's more about just you know having the community come out, having yeah. the time, and the card is massive. It is, and you know, and here's the truth: whether two people show up or two thousand. Same thing's gonna happen. Well, if everybody sells like three tickets, there'll be there'll be plenty of people because there's a there's a shit ton of matches on this thing. There are. It's heavy for us. I think I'm like number like sixteen, and I'm not even quite halfway. Wow, there's that many. Something never, like that. I, I might be exaggerating, it. but there's a lot, dude. 
Yeah, I was guessing there was probably 12 matches, but I honestly... Oh, there's way more than that, dude. Oh, my goodness. That's a long day. You're not even through blue belts at 12. Seriously. I might have to stay home until they call me to come over. Yeah, it's going to be a late one. They better start early. I think it's 6.30. On time? Well... I've never been to one of these. Do they start on time? I've never been to a fight show that starts on time. Well, I, should, I shouldn't say never because actually Shamrock U does actually typically mm-hmm. start on time. So I think you'd have to uh, – are the Brazilians involved? <laughs> it's JW. I'm, so I'm just saying. So we'll probably start on time. <laughs> if there's Brazilians or black people, then I don't know. CPT, man. CPT, yeah. But it'll be a good time. It'll so, be fun. Yeah, but regardless, two people or 2,000. I'm going to do the same thing. Yeah. You're going to do the same thing. Oh, yeah. I'd do it behind closed doors. I don't really care. You know? Yeah, dude. Yeah. Man, I'm probably going to pull guard. <laughs> <laughs> that's, not, that's not popular. I don't know why. I know. I mean, I get it. Like, you, oh, what, you, you want the takedown. But I, I feel so dangerous from my back. I feel so dangerous from my back. I think judging for anybody what they do is overrated. Do what yeah. you do. Yeah. Who cares? People frown upon it, though. I'm doing it, though. I'll, I'll make contact, though. I'll make contact. Then I'll sit down. Right. And then we'll go to you're work. not saying you're going to butt scoot. You're just no. going to pull guard. Yeah. And who cares? You have to You have to go where you feel most dangerous. Yeah. Mr. Liddell, you know, wrestler who decides to strike and sprawl and brawl and stay up. And a wrestler yeah. like you that just pulls guard. I mean, whatever. Yeah. I mean, I could get the takedown. Try to go for the back. Try to force the back. I feel like we should not be releasing this information. Oh, we're just talking. I'm just joking. I like to but see hey, him stop it. You, there you go. I was going to say, <laughs> I always say, you got to stop me, though. For real. Right. You got to stop it. Who cares? Right. Yeah. But I tell you what would have been interesting. I didn't know there were kids on the card, or I might have pushed to try to get a couple kids on the card. There are some kids on the card, aren't yeah. there? Not many, though. I, don't <clears> think, I think like yeah, two or three. three. Yeah. yeah. That would have been fun. Try to get, like, Hickson or some of the kids from the program on there. Let Hickson show out. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. Watch somebody get tossed in their head. Well, and that is just like a cool environment to be in, yeah, right? Yeah. You got people around. Sure. Is it elevated? They do an elevated um, platform? So that's part of what I meant by better shows. The They've done several here. One of the ones I went to here is at the Chase Park Plaza um, downtown. Uh-huh. And it was, the stage was elevated. They had, you know, lights. Everything else was a little darker right on the, the mats. It was great. Just like you see Metamorphs or the other ones. Yeah. When I went to in Kansas City, <clears throat> they kind of gave you the feeling of they we had a tournament here earlier that day and we're going to use the same space. Oh. It had that feel. Mm. And that's kind of what they did. It just didn't feel um, as special. Yeah, you want to, like, transform the space. Yeah, yeah. But that being said. one event to the next. It's not my money. <laughs> you know what I mean? You have the space and you, you – I mean, so why not use it and maximize it? I get it. Oh, I get it, too. Yeah, I, I get, it. get it. But so from, an ex- from an experience standpoint, yeah, yeah. If, if that's what you're trying to create, you know, for for those that are actually competing and for those that are watching, I'd rather be part of that experience. But yeah, it is what it is. They're separate brands too. They are right. Yeah, so you should treat them differently. So again, but same stuff's gonna happen, I guess, right? Yeah. Who am I? Yeah. You know. mm. What do we know? How do you like to uh, like mentally prepare for for <coughs> like competition? You know, I always tell myself, um, "Fate loves the fearless." That's one of my go-tos. That, and, and these things free me. Because um, I, don't, I don't believe in pressure. Um, I just, I think the whole idea to me is silly. Yeah. Pressure. I, I don't get it. I think pressure is a privilege. Yeah. People put that on themselves, I think, personally. And it's just so external. Like, 
what do I care about your opinion of what you think should be? You know what I mean? That doesn't mean that I don't care about somebody, but I'm out here. You're not out here. Yeah. So why would I let that bother me? Some people just put the pressure on themselves. And that's like, what I mean. That yeah. it's, only, it's You do it yourself. Right. And well, like not even like people external, like just themselves. Like they want to do so well, they put pressure on themselves. Yeah. So go, so go be you. Yeah. And that's the other thing. Nobody does you better than you. Yeah. So what's the problem? Yeah, we need to be having this talk with our friend Julius. Yeah. Because I feel that he um, he's like a tremendous athlete. Right. But he gets so nervous. Yeah, you know, um, I, I, again, so, okay, so the third thing, and then we'll address that. Okay. Because you be you is the second thing. And the third thing is, and I talked to Kelly D'Angelo about this before she went out for her last fight, and she beat the – purple belt i forget brown belt purple belt whatever and she and jimmy had her husband sent me a picture right before she walked out and uh it was the moment where she said to herself the conversations we had were were um don't let any moment be bigger than you yeah because without you there's no moment right and i fully believe that those are your three mantras yeah those are my three mantras and that's it and it's that simple to me what else is to worry about you can't do me better than me nobody can do you better than you yeah so just go be yourself. Don't try to be anything else. Just go do you. Free, yeah. just free yourself of it and go have fun. Yeah. That's it. I had a wrestling coach tell me that, um, like, that person has to worry about you just as much as you're worrying about 100%. them. So, like, why worry at all? Yeah. I mean, you really have to understand that everybody's got anxiety. And I think anxiety, when it comes to performance, is a good thing. Yeah. Because it's if the you thing. use that, it well. Yeah. It's the th- well, I mean, I think by definition, so let me ask you this. When you get anxiety is it typically about and performing performance anxiety um and not with your girlfriend adam okay some boundaries here we have guests um what what might be one of the things you might worry about for me so the only thing that would really give me like super anxiety would be it would be like fighting, and I would just be thinking about all the unknowns. It's like the unknowns. Like, this could happen, that could happen. For instance, give me something specific. Oh, man, well, you just don't know. Like, you don't know if this guy's going to come out there and go batshit crazy on you, and or if he's going to come out there nice and relaxed, or if you're going to get in. You just start making up these crazy scenarios, sure. whether they're realistic or not. But like, did you play through those scenarios then? Yeah, you just play okay. through them. You have to learn how to, like, to conquer To those. manage it. Yeah, right. to manage so, that and just... It's not real. So once you play through those, yeah. do you feel better? Yeah. Well, so I'll, that's so that's my point. I try to frame it, even right. if I don't even play. I'm just like, okay, well, yeah, you like you said, you play through it because you practice it all the time. Right. And like, if I get in the situation, then you just work through it. No big deal. So why be worried? Why have anxiety? Oh, 100 percent. And I think that's the point. Is anxiety is a good thing because it typically tells you what you need to concentrate on. Oh yeah. It tells you, man, I'm really worried about this guy getting my back. So then, guess where you should probably go work from. Somebody having your back. Yeah. And when you, and then you sort through that and you work through it and it's no longer an issue. And then you feel confident. I haven't been in a match yet at Black Belt and felt like I wasn't in a match. And I think that's a huge thing because I don't know if you ever truly feel like you're, 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 you're Black Belt. Maybe I'm just uh, some kid that was from Oklahoma. You know what I mean? Like it's you just are who you are and you don't really think about that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. So <clears throat> the day I got my black belt, I was, I should say, well, I want to say most likely, but I was absolutely the same person that received the black belt two months before that. What changed? Nothing. 
Yeah. Maybe, maybe get maybe getting a nod, somebody telling you you're this level. But, I mean, I was that same person, so why am I going to worry about it? If you believed in me enough to give that to me, then I have to go out and trust the process when I'm on the mat. And if I know that person's got anxiety as well or has a, man, why do I do this? Because everybody kind of walks out there going, why do I do man, this? Is, man, this kills your stomach. You know, bad. <laughs> it is what it is. Who cares? Let's go have fun. Yeah. So I kind of free myself of all that and think, well, if it's a fight, well, man, this guy's going to punch me. And I kind of smile and go, yeah, but I get to punch him too. So that relieves me of everything. Yeah. And that's what makes it fun. Well, after having fought MMA, like anything everything else is easy. Yeah, anything else is. I always. Yeah. It's just jujitsu. It's, right. ju- it's, it's all it just is. boxing. It's Nobody's just kickboxing. Like yeah. yeah. Or even if like if it was just like boxing or kickboxing, it's like all right. Well, at least I'm not getting like taken down. I don't have to worry about these. Right. I just, One less thing to worry about. Yeah. Or just the, the process. The weapons get right. you know, less. But you know, uh, I got my master's in sports management, emphasis in sports psychology. Um, I knew from probably junior high that that was an interest for me. And I remember one of my neighbors giving me a book on sports psychology. He was a runner, and I would go out at night. He'd see me running and preparing for track, preparing for wrestling. Yeah. And just out always kind of working. And then he'd ask me questions and talk to me. And then I don't remember how he really framed it, but he's like, I think you'd be interested in this book. And he gave me a book on sports psychology. Yeah. He's like, this is, I think, kind of where you're coming from and who you are. Have you read The Rise of Superman? have not. Oh, man, it's a great book. Basically talking about um, just, like, the human potential, like, through mm-hmm. the mind and, uh, and like, being in the flow state and, like, what that can unleash as far as, like, what oh, humans man. are able to do. It's a great book. It's by Stephen Kotler, I do believe. Okay. And then there's a follow-up to it um, called Stealing Fire, which is, again, more about, like, flow state and, like, Navy SEALs and, diff- like, high performers and different things. There's some pretty good books. You like them. Let's touch base. Yeah. Make sure, please. Make sure. Oh, for sure. You like both of those books. There's nothing better, I think, than being in a flow state and just (sighs) being in your environment. Um, I try to induce that. Yeah. Before I go on the mat. And it's really repeating those three mantras kind of throughout the day or leading up to the event. Um, And then I kind of go back to when I was a kid and when you felt most free being a kid. Yeah. And that would be. You know, for me, it was either sitting in the back seat of my parents' car when we were going anywhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? The window down, and I was sitting behind my dad, and you could feel like the uh, the cool breeze, and it's night. And if you faked it well enough, somebody's going to carry you in the house. <laughs> You're free. Yeah. Or just being outside and playing in the summer and just putting your arms out like you could fly. It kind of just. Yeah. For me, the, that kind of induces a flow state of just being carefree, no stress. So I literally do that before match. I yeah. just kind of close my eyes and I have my arms kind of out and I kind of just yeah for every match yeah see that's your routine right yeah. there but it's just the way it, well you know I can't say <laughs> it's for every match but that's okay because it, I can't leave that behind I yeah. can't forget that somewhere no that's but, okay I mean that's how you induce that flow state it's probably the first match after that I don't think I really do it yeah I, I think it just calms the nerves I go relax it's my way of making myself relax yeah and then I'm good well like back it's like. Um, it's not my favorite sport, but like back when you're playing football, right? Uh-huh. It's like after that first hit or a fight, even like yeah, after that first, first hit. Now you're in. Now you're in the mix. Yeah, you don't need to good. think about anything else. Right. So after that first, yeah. But that's like the basis of like sports psychology, right? Sure. Like how can we tap in to the human potential through right. the mind so that we we can go perform, which Into is that reach focus. that yeah reach that flow state because <clears throat> right. that's when we're that we're at our best. I agree. Yeah. I agree. You know, and it's not. I, I remember going to being in grad school and then getting homework, and the teacher would be like, "Hey, you're gonna go watch ESPN tonight." <laughs> 
I love my life. Thank cool. You. Right. Got it. I'm going to do that anyway with beer. Yeah. And you just go through that stuff. And I remember thinking, you know, how do you use what we're learning to better yourself? And for the life of me, I couldn't figure out how Shaquille O'Neal couldn't sink a free throw. <laughs> I saw him on a commercial today. <laughs> <laughs> and to me, it had to be more of a mental thing than a physical thing because he's obviously a great athlete and you've spent how many years of your life doing this one thing. That's a mental block. Yeah. 100% to me a mental block. He's just so big. That's got zero to it's do like with It's like awkward in his hands. Shoot him one hand. Shoot <laughs> it underhand. He's just like, yeah, I, ego. Right. Maybe. Yeah. I wonder, did he practice? Had to. I think it's part of practice. Yeah. Well, maybe. Yeah. Is it? When you're yeah. shacked? When you're fucking shacked? Is it part of practice? Yeah, you used to getting paid. I don't exactly. I mean, Allen Iverson said what? Practice. <laughs> about practice <laughs> what are we talking about yeah. that guy that got taken out of context it so did. bad for him i feel bad for because like once i like saw the story on that. right his friend's friend got shot and yeah he's just like y'all talking about yeah. practice right now like i know but I, I love it it's one of the best lines in all of uh it works, sports it works both ways it really it truly does <laughs> both ways but the uh, <laughs> as i started thinking about other Great lines. God, we're all over the place. When I think about these other great lines from sports, my my absolute favorite may be Andre Olowski was dating a ring girl. I forget which one it was. It was a very popular ring girl that probably, I think she used to be in the UFC. I forget which one it was. And then Big Tim Sylvia uh-huh. da- dated her afterwards. And, you know, Sylvia would walk around with his belt, like in the beach or in the mall. And <laughs> so he's just silly. I think I, I vaguely <clears throat> remember that. I could be making it. We might have talked about this kind of once, not too in the, in the, in the very near future, or not too re- recently. We I think we may have t- talked about it, but um, Ariel Helwani was interviewing Orlowski, okay. and after the interview, or toward the end of the interview, he said, "So Tim Sylvia told me to let you know that he's dating your ex-girlfriend and mentioned her name, the ring girl's name." He goes, "Do you have a comment about that?" And puts the mic in his face, and Orlowski said, "Ask." Tim, how taste my big pee pee? <laughs> Checkmate. <laughs> hey man, sloppy seconds. Sloppy, yeah. You know we're good. Why won. would Ariel Hawani even ask that question? That's so silly. That's petty. It is. He's, but I, you know, I think he's probably. I think he's one of the best in the business. Oh, he is. And he very, he treads so lightly. Like you know, there's all these things he wants to ask, and uh, I don't. It's probably the right thing to do is avoid most of those things. Yeah, it was fucked up when he got banned. Yeah, it really was. That was silly. Dana gets upset about it. He's a big baby. Now, Ariel did have a – he made a – I don't know if it was a tweet or what it was. I saw a screenshot of it where he was talking about Masvidal. Mm -hmm. He's talking about how he – he's been pro for 16 years. Like, think about, like – he was thinking about his, his, like, meteoric rise, like, this year. He's had, like, an amazing year. Right. But it, people forget, like, he's been pro for 16 years. Right. He's had, like, 40-plus fights. Back to the Bodog days. And, he's, and he's just now getting popular, which is, like, well, he's, unheard of. He's a people's champ for sure. If you're in the fight game, you know who that guy is, and you can appreciate him. It's the general public who don't know him and didn't appreciate him. Yeah. You you knew about Nick and Nate because they were probably a little louder. And on yeah. the on the – hate to say bigger stages. There were stages with more cameras that were more, had more access to regular TV. Well, Nate grew up in the UFC. I mean, yeah. he was just a little – I mean, he was a young dude whenever he was on The Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you knew his brother. Yeah. So, by proxy, you knew him and what you were yeah. going to do. Yeah, gangsters. But um, – and I love them, two of my favorites. Oh, yeah. But, you know, Masvidal, Bodog, you know, back in Costa Rica, 
um, been around forever, or or the the fights with Kimbo. Yeah, you know. I went back. I was like, really, he fought then? And like, yeah. I went back and I watched one. I was like, oh, I remember this fight. Right. And it was it was him beating up some. Uh, the dude was huge. He's probably like two forty, big black guy who was yeah. apparently like the champ of the streets at the time. Pieced him up though, probably like a ten minute fight. Two piece and a biscuit. <laughs> yeah, man, he's no G though. He's been around for a long yeah. time. And man. that was really all around the same time when you think about the sport really kind of blowing up with the Ultimate Fighter coming out, with the rise of, I mean, everything that I can associate coming, you know, have coming to fruition with the UFC or with fighting in general and all the organizations kind of forming. Yeah. Even when I think about Kimbo being underground, I think about. Kimbo and Sean, oh, I forget the, the the officer's name that he fought underground. Uh, I don't know his name, but I know who you're talking about. I think it was about. an Irish name. Right? And then he ended up getting a one-fight contract with the UFC as well. Oh, really? Yeah, that was all around the same time. I was in high school at that time. Yeah, that's great. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think he called me old Rick. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Kimbo lost? What? Kimbo can't lose? Kimbo's a motherfucking man. Yeah, I wanted to fight him so bad. For real? I did. Yeah, man. When I got older, I realized how trash he really was. Right. right. He was just beating up bums. The strike force asked me one time um, when they were coming to St. Louis who wanted to fight. And I, I, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm not going to tell you all the names, <laughs> but I picked some local guys. Oh, yeah? Picked one local guy specifically just that I didn't care for, um, more of a promoter. And, um, I, well, I started with, I'll fight anybody. Yeah. And when they kept pushing it, and I literally said eight times, I'll fight anybody. They're like, well, who? So I mentioned a local person. Then I'm like, I really don't care. Just give me somebody to fight. And then they're like, well, name somebody. I was like, fine, Herschel Walker. He was a legend. He, he was one of my idols growing up. I'll fight him. Would have felt bad. Oh, man. Because would it really have been fight dude he was a hell of an athlete he beat up some people he's a phenomenal athlete holy shit even at his age like he's a phenomenal, period, period period he's just a different human being period oh my god yeah yeah he that would have been interesting it would have been it would have been would have been phenomenal because he just you know he's it's herschel yeah dude he's the reason my neck was 20 inches at one point <laughs> yeah man he was something else just that that sort of athleticism only comes around every so often I mean, if you think of, so I remember growing up being number 34 as a kid, growing up in Oklahoma as a running back. And it was Herschel, it was um, Earl Campbell, Walter Payton kind of thing. It was all those greats for 34, all the great running backs I knew. That was number? They were all number 34. And then, um, then you know, this guy named Brian Bothers showed up, and then I was like, I got to be 44. You know? <laughs> it changed after that. But, yeah, I mean, that was my homage to him. He was phenomenal, man. He's like. So when you say once in a lifetime, once in a generation, probably more accurately, right? Yeah. Type of athlete to have. I mean, just there's. Man. Well, shit, man, you got to shoot your shot. You do. It doesn't there's, hurt to ask. I absolutely. I mean, I, I would literally would have taken anybody. Give me anybody. I don't care. Yeah. That's your shot, you know. But oh, yeah. He was hot then, so I named him, too. Oh, like, yeah. It was like, whatever. It's the first thing that came to my mind, but I would take anybody. I don't care. Strike Force was so good, man. I, I preferred it when we had all those venues and avenues. Um, Elite XC, Strike Force, Bellator. Dude, WEC was Pride, the shit. WEC. Oh, my God. I preferred having all of those. Um, and, and I would go to a lot of the shows in San Jose, Elite XC's out there, because that was the home base for okay. Elite XC. Um, when I had my I had clothing line and I had a business out in San Francisco, I'd watch fights out there all the time in the Cow Palace, or, which was in San Francisco. And I forget the uh, Sacramento, that venue there, and then the one in San Jose. 
Yeah, I yeah. gotta get back out there. That's, that's so nice. I only so went good. the one time in November, last November. Yeah, it's beautiful. Oh my god, I love it. You spent a lot of time out there. Yeah, I did. I did. It was good. It's good times. Yeah. Yeah. You ever good. think about living out there? I considered it. I considered it. Um, you know, but we do that all the time. Be easy to live anywhere other than where you're at. Yeah. Yeah. But no matter where you go, there you are. Just own like a home out there. <laughs> if you got that kind of money, drop. Okay. Dude, you gotta have a lot of money. Signet. Uh, uh, so we're talking about Julius. So oh yeah, we were talking about Julius. We so talked about a couple different things. We did. I have to, you know, mark that moment, come back. Yeah. Something, but I think I about Masvidal too. Right. So we got to find a way. Meteor rise. Yeah, Julius though, man, fucking savage, just needs to be able to pull the trigger. Right. Right. But yeah. I, I get it. The UFC, in some ways, forces you to, to not lose, you know. And I think it's great that they put the the bonuses out there for submission or fight of the night, things like that. But the way the contracts are kind of structured, you know, you feel like if you don't put on, if you lose, you're not going to get invited back. The only time I've really not seen that come to play, and it could be more of a status thing than was Vanderlei when he first came over to UFC. Oh, yeah. That's just because of what his name exactly. was. And everybody knew he was going to put on a show. Right. He was going to put tick- people I, th- see I think he wants to donate his brain to science when he dies. It's definitely Swiss cheese, 100%. Yeah. Like he has his brain is he was hands down fucked up. My favorite fighter, you know, like really the whole thing. That murder. Oh man, that dude was phenomenal. It's a scary man to be across <sighs> from, especially the TRT days. Ooh. <laughs> oh we, my god! I think TRT may be an understatement for what he was probably. No, doing. he was doing a whole lot more than that. Yeah. But could that you, was pride. That was all pride. Yeah. Could you imagine standing across the ring from that? Just mm-hmm. fucking mm-hmm. chaos. His head was bulging. Like you could see the veins oh, in yeah. his head, yeah. dude. And you just knew he was gonna come out there and kill you. Like he was like just all hunched over. Yeah. Like. Rolling his wrists and all oh, that stuff. I love that, dude. That scared the shit out of me. You know, he he fought, I think it was his first fight in the UFC, and then he may have lost it. And uh, he was backstage, and he, he looked at Dana and said, Boss, it's okay for you. It's okay. It's okay. And I remember Dana looked at him like, are you, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, yeah. He said, you will forever have a job here as long as you want it. Because that's who he was. Yeah. And I appreciated that about him, that he just he threw everything out there and said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to scrap, draw a line in the sand, and let it happen. Yeah. So. I watched an interview with him, and I think he said his very first fight, it was him and a few buddies. They just kind of took some fights on a whim, and they made a bet to see who could get the fastest knockout. Yeah. Like, whoever, I think whoever won got either money or, like, the losers were buying drinks tonight, whole right. night or some shit. So he went out there, and he just did his thing. And ever since then, he's been That's fighting. That's yeah. He's been fighting like that ever since. You know who else would be scary to stand across, the, like, the cage from? Anthony Johnson. Yeah, he's so long. Dude, he hits hard as hell. <laughs> I don't care how long he is. He hits like a fucking freight train. Did you see when he hit DC? He flatlined. Like, DC yeah. fell on his face. Like sideways. <laughs> yeah, Anthony's such a good guy. You, heard, you know he's coming back. Yeah. Yeah, heavyweight. Yeah, he's um, he's scary. He did that to a whole lot of people, though. I think scarier than him in heavyweight was him at 170. Yeah, but he was cutting from like two two thirty, I, I think, agree. to get to one seventy. That would scare me more. With if if we were walking, oh yeah, in, that'd be scary too. If we walked in at heavyweight, you know, roughly the same size, you know, he's gonna hurt you. That's one thing. But if you saw him walking at one seventy, well, when he fought at one seventy, he was probably two hundred at that time, right? So, yeah, you know, he he fought um, Luigi Ferravanti. Yeah. For fight for the troops. Yeah. He's scary. Yeah, dude. He's scary. He hits hard. His head is bigger than that TV over there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> his head is bigger than Rick's head. 
He's just a he's just a big dude, and he hits hard as hell. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking the, Rick third in the wall. background. <laughs> <laughs> I know we're at the fucking get Rick a mic. I think we should do that. Uh, Can we do that, Rick? Get a mic sometime. After a couple episodes, Joe Rogan gave Jamie a headset. Young Jamie. Oh, uh, they also have a studio. I know, but they also have a studio. Rick doesn't want a studio. <laughs> he wants he wants to keep it mobile forever. Okay. I think it'd be interesting. I know. Yeah. Uh, so what, what's your space, mental space for competitions? Where do you get yourself what a, to prepare yourself? Dude, it's, I don't even, like, think about them anymore. Like, this thing is coming up. I'm just going to show up. And, like, once I'm there, so oh, yeah, I'm going to look around. I'm going to take it in. I'm going to look at the guy. I'm just going to try not to live because if I live in my head too much, like right. that's when chaos can happen. Sure, I'm just going to sure. just go and just do and just make sure I get a good – I just focus on the basics. Like I'll get there, make sure I get a good warm-up, make sure like, you know, properly hydrated, nutrition, all that good shit's good. So make our, sure I'm feeling good. Let's ask go, ourselves this question. Go jiu-jitsu. Not to talk over you, but my, my question is – are we leaving money on the table by not like going to look at video or research people and things like that? <sighs> Maybe. Maybe. It's possible, right? Yeah, I guess I think it just depends on how serious you want to take the competition. And maybe that's some of my 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 downfall is I don't take the competitions maybe serious enough because it's just jujitsu in my mind. Like I don't cuz the stakes were always so high for MMA and I sure. did that for so long. Like everything else is just it's just that. Right. So don't even think about it. Like it could be, it's no different than just like waking up to me and like going to like a Saturday Fuji or something, like whatever. Well, even a Saturday Fuji's competition. Yeah, you still want to win. Right. I want to go do that. Right. But like, I'm not gonna get like worked up about worked it. up about it, right? right. Like, I'm not gonna over analyze the situation because yeah. Yeah. because to your point, as far as like. It doesn't matter what situation arises. You just have to be ready. I'm already ready for it. Like, yeah. I feel like my jujitsu is so well-rounded. Right, right. You just have that conversa- inner conversation in a different way. Yeah. Right. And honestly, this is that purple belt. I don't even view myself as a purple belt. So I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to go against a guy who I'm just going to go smash. Maybe he doesn't consider himself a purple belt. Well, he's not on my fucking level regardless. <laughs> so <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> right. That's really how I feel, though. Right, you should. That's good. Um, yeah, I think that's, I think it's important. Yeah. Yeah. Because here's the thing though, because if he, even if he doesn't view himself as a purple belt, right, I feel like it's easier to get belts at other schools than ours. So if he wasn't, he, if he's a purple belt there, then he's probably really like not even a blue belt at our school. So I'm just going to go smash a blue belt. (laughs) Right. Like that's how I look at it. So then if I view myself as not a purple belt, even like in our system, then I feel like. It's just going to be bad news. So um, is it then possible to get caught behind the eight ball and have to play and have to play catch up? In a point system? Well, yeah. no, in, in the momentum system. Who cares about points? In the momentum system. In a – I'm in a headspace of I'm a brown belt uh, fighting a purple belt, so I'm not – and you could be speaking completely different, so don't let me put words in your mouth. But it, it could come off as a – uh, well, you know what? It's not about him. It's about you. What you're yeah, saying. like I'm not going to say right. like I'm not going to take this guy sure, serious because sure. yeah. you can get tapped by a white belt. 
right? right. I Absolutely. mean, you can get tapped with just the dumbest shit. So it's just all, I just look at it as just do it, it just stay the basics. I just right. focus elbows in, you know, this here, you know, right. posture Good there. Posture, right. You know what I mean? Like create this angle, stay Chain. on this hip. Yeah. Just the smallest little things. If you're focused on those and everything's good. So for me, it's just, it's just about like staying calm and it's like about you. not burning out my arms. Right. Right. <laughs> Dude, that burnout's real. I don't think I've ever, other than being a white belt, I've never had that issue. See, I was thinking about uh, Worlds whenever, so last year, not this right. year, right? Last year. And oh, you mean the one you didn't come to? Well, yeah. Oh, you mean the one before I, you did go? The one okay. I went to. Okay. Gotcha. My arms, forearms yeah. burned the fuck out. Like, they were they're pumped full of blood. And I'm just like, why are they pumped? Like, I don't. you were working the collar so much. I was working the collar so much, but I think there was even one point where, was I in side control maybe? I don't know. But I was just, I feel like I was in a snowball grip, just like squeezing his ass right. to hold him there when I was on top. And I'm like, why am I like wasting like, that's too much energy. I don't even do that in any other time when I'm rolling. Like, I don't need the four. Sure. So the level of intensity is just taking up so much higher in competition because everybody's going so much harder. So right. you end up straining harder, and then you end up gassing out. So it's just about finding that balance between force and, like, being able to relax. Are you having a conversation with yourself doing, com doing competition? That inner well, dialogue? Uh, I will in this next match because okay. I didn't because I didn't have the wherewithal at Worlds to slow down and not gas my fucking gotcha. forearms out. So now I'm 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 aware of that now. So it might also be more than an inner dialogue. It might be a, a game adjustment thing also. Oh, for sure. Because I don't focus on and I know you. For instance, you love no gi, right? I like gi way better than no gi. But if anybody were to have the conversation with you they might think that you would be more no-gi oriented. Oh, yeah. Just so you know. Okay, that's interesting. Right. Yeah. That being said, um, as a person that has wrestled before, I tend to not control the collars quite as much because of the natural hooks God gave you. And I know also when you grab the collars, a lot of burns your forearms. So yeah. I tend not to do that. Yeah. I will, but I tend to break posture in a different capacity. Yeah. So I th that usually saves my arms, and it's not it, it's more of a byproduct of the things that I do, so it's just not a very big concern for me. Yeah. I like pocket grips. Mm -hmm. I think it's because in Worlds, I was so focused on getting on, like, getting top and holding top that I wasn't relaxed, because that's not my game at all. I, I'm almost always in guard. Right. So it's like I'm more relaxed there. So why did you fight that game? Because um, I feel like I had to. Did I make you feel like you had to? Um, not necessarily you, but I just feel like it's just kind of what's, like, get too early. Get too, make sure, be aggressive. Get those two. Get those two. Like, even though, like, that's, I'm really chill. Like, I just want to let me get my fucking attachment and then pull guard and then go to work. But, like, it's always push. Get too early because if you start too ahead, then you're even, like, it's just not my deal. Sure. But, sure. It's, but it's, like, commonly preached. So I kind of just wanted to go out there and set a tone and be aggressive. And that part of that is get the takedown. Right. Show dominance. I know one thing we talked about, and, that's, and this is the reason I asked that I have anything to do with this, because we talked about some of the um, speed bumps or failures even we've had as a team yeah. where people not starting off immediately and waiting too long. Yeah. Um, when Worlds is a different beast altogether, and people yeah. are coming out now to win. Oh, yeah. But I think establishing your game doesn't mean that you have to be establishing a takedown. Right. So I'm going, okay, well, I maybe should have provided more clarity also in, in 
in saying for sure that that doesn't mean that you have to go get your takedown, but you have to get into what your game is now. Yeah. And own those positions. And that makes sense. Because the second match, dude, I was dead tired, and that dude could barely do anything. And I almost, like, got that inverted armbar even. And I was, I was exhausted. And that guy, had having, a, that guy had a bye. We're having half conversations. Yeah. You know, you'd, I would start something, you'd finish it with action, and there's a dream. Yeah. Then the body kind of got in the way. It happens. It can. It can. Uh, how do, what the fuck are we talking about, Tracy? <laughs> uh, competition mindset. Yeah. And I, I'll be ready, though. And guard pullers. I like pulling guard. I don't know why it's frowned upon. But I don't think it's frowned <laughs> upon. I think for a certain segment it is, but that's, I'll, I think, uh, yeah. such such a part of jiu-jitsu. Who cares? Yeah. No, I have been working more no-gi grips recently, though. Because I thought that no-gi competition was going to be right, coming up pretty right. soon. That's getting pushed. Right. So I've been doing a lot of, like, underhooks, tons of just grabbing wrists, grabbing <coughs> – excuse me, grabbing the neck. Right. Just basic stuff, like not grabbing any sort of uh, any sort of cloth. Right. That's what God gave us. Yeah. It's more natural. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. I, like, I have a strong-ass grip. I feel like once I grab your wrists, you're going to have a hard time getting away. I, I've, You know, I, I remember being – I think Worlds two years ago and Worlds this year. And I had one of those death grips on a gi in a place where you couldn't afford to give it up. And my grip burning was never a concern. I, I questioned it and I asked. Yeah. And then I smiled. I was like, this thing's never going to – I'm never letting go of this if I don't <laughs> – like, this is good. Yeah, like, yeah, it's and, fine. Because you always just kind of wonder, like, like Arturo Ward and uh, – I'm sorry, Mickey Ward and Arturo Gotti, uh, the boxers. Mm -hmm. had, I, th I think it was three fights they had. Uh, that big trilogy, it may have been two, I forget, but they had phenomenal fights, absolute wars. And I think in the second fight, possibly, maybe in the first, Mickey Ward, Arturo Gotti, Gotti broke his hand in the same fashion that um, uh, Faber broke his in the WC. Oh, yeah, he's just on elbows. All elbows. <coughs> oh, man, that was a good fight. It was a phenomenal fight. And I always think about, like, if I'm, a, if I'm a Arturo Gotti and – I break my fist in the second or third round. It's a 12-round fight. Man, you have so long and so far to go. So that's my um, benchmark in jiu-jitsu when things get uncomfortable. Because, you know, we we'll always say you have to learn to get comfortable in uncomfortable situations. Yeah. And if that guy can go another 10 rounds or another 9 rounds with a broken hand and he still have to throw it occasionally, then I can do whatever it is I got to do for six minutes. Yeah, I, I can remember thinking to myself, especially after that Uriah Faber fight. Yeah. What would I do in that situation? What do you do when you're in the middle of a fight and you break both your hands? Or even just one hand? You hope you have a great corner to keep things chilled and keep saying, hey, we're going to do this now to help you focus, even if you don't need it. Yeah. But it's good to have somebody there that's going, hey, you're doing great. You're on the right path. Who cares about your hand? Yeah. It's you like got to <laughs> throw it every now and then to keep them honest. It's going to hurt, but, you know, oh, man. pain's pain. Yeah, well, you hope you have, like, the gumption to keep going. Some yeah. people don't. So, so I... Yeah, that's an interesting thing. Um, and something I actually want to talk about. I, like, I always believe in being, have, in full disclosure, especially like in my Sunday classes, right? I think being human is a beautiful thing, right? It's part of my charm, right? You know, <laughs> right? We're I've, all human. Right, we're all human. <laughs> and I think it's important to address those things. Like, we talked about anxiety. Everybody's got anxiety, but it's a matter of what you do with it. And mm -hmm. you say, hey, it is what it is. Don't let anybody tell you different. Um, and I actually read a post like that from Tom the Blast the other day. He said the exact same thing about anxiety. Don't let anybody tell you they don't. It's there. He's a wise dude. He is. He is a wise dude. 
Um, so <clears throat> I remember being in a match, and I also had this thought at that time during my match, and I was thinking about MMA when you get stuck on those very uncomfortable positions. But we all, we all know there's a difference between being uncomfortable and a submission. Yeah. And you just kind of fight through them. And, but you have to have those honest conversations with yourself, like, can I get through this? Will I get through this? It's no big deal. Mm-hmm. You know that if you're framing somebody and, you know, you have 300 pounds laying on top of you, you know, which is a lot of weight, and mm-hmm. let's say you move your arm outside your frame, person's going to take something, take the arm, Americana, whatever. Yeah. Come on. And especially if you're at a black belt level and you make the slightest mistake, which might literally mean a quarter of an inch this way. Yeah. Somebody should be taking advantage of it who's got that level. Who in that entire arena is going to say anything? Who in that entire arena is going to go, man, I can't believe he lost to an Americana. Or they're going to say, man, that guy was 300 pounds, a black belt, and was laying on him, and he took that arm. Nobody's going to know any different. Honestly, not. Yeah, and here's the thing, though. So the person who gets submitted, they're, they're thinking everybody's thinking about them getting submitted. They're not thinking. No one's thinking about them. Thinking about only, them. only they are thinking about, thinking about. Everybody's that. thinking about the winner. Nobody, yeah, we're thinking <laughs> about what they have to do, or the, or <laughs> that about themselves. Yeah, yeah, nobody's thinking about that, so we blow it up too much. Yeah, we do. But remember, uh, this is your dialogue with yourself, so you're not focused on any of that. Yeah. But what's beautiful is that moment where you go, oh, "I don't have it in me. I would never do that," and that's a wonderful thing to find out about yourself. And that's what, to me, what jiu-jitsu is, what sports are, what competition is. Yeah. It's, it's not about the other person. It's about finding out who I am every single time. And that's what I enjoy most about it. And I love laying it on the line. I love being in a situation where it could just change everything. And either you overcome it. It's not necessarily about winning or losing. But you always overcome it. But it's pushing through that and learning about yourself. You learn a lot about yourself. And yeah. the, and w- w- in those moments of chaos, like who are you in that moment? Right. You know what I mean? Like, because those are honest moments. They're very honest moments. When shit's hitting the fan, things are going, you know, everything's upside down. You're getting hit or you can't breathe right. or, you know, just everything's chaotic. Who are you in that yeah. moment? I seriously think about that all the time. That's that's a part of the reason why like we do like the shit that we do. I Agreed. feel like Agreed. like we want to be able to slow down our mind in the chaos, right. which is so important. Like you know, you're when somebody's three hundred pounds right. and you can't breathe, you're like, all right, well, I'm not dying. I got a little <laughs> yeah, bit of perspective. I'm okay. I guess I got a little bit of room to breathe. Just like focus on my breath. But I take it to the next level. I sometimes feel guilty I never, like, joined the military because I w- it'd be really cool to learn all that shit. Sure. And then also, we just live in a crazy world, so you never know. things could break out at any moment. So I often think about, like, what will I do in the chaos? Right. Like, with, if some shit goes crazy, like, will I keep my cool and, like, exit this room just right. fine? You know what I'm saying? Like, sure. how is my mind going right. to react to that speed? Right. You know what I mean? So I think it's fair and unfair. Um, I I often think about the flight that went down in Pennsylvania, 9-11, Pennsylvania, um, and the people were on the plane and everybody's calling friends and family saying, hey, I'm probably not going to come home on this flight. And they tried to overtake, you know, terrorists. And I say it in all due respect because part of me feels disrespectful even having that thought and how would I react because I wasn't there. Yeah. And what they did was so remarkable. And they did it because they had to. They did it because they were in that situation at that moment where it was, we're going, but let's try to save everybody else's lives. They did Why do so. you have to go? Why did they have to go down? I, I, don't, I don't know that there was much of a choice. 
and it's like either we it's it's the old albino gator theory, right? If you heard albino gator, no, what is it was that? an old movie. So Kevin, it was, it was an old movie. <laughs> but, so the theory behind it is, um, every once in a while in nature, there's an anomaly, right? Mm-hmm. So you'll get a white alligator occasionally. Okay. So what the other alligators would do, they'll stick the albino alligator, hence bino gator theory. They'll put it in the open in the swamp and let the other animals come to feast. And when the other animals come to feast, the other crocodiles or the other gators come out and yeah. attack the other ones and feast on them. Hmm. So it's a sacrifice of one for the many, yeah. for the masses. Yeah. So it's the bino gator theory. And I think when you're faced with that, which they were, what do you, and I'm not going to question it and say, well, couldn't you have, I mean, it's your instinct. Couldn't you guys, well, they felt like they could have, so who am I? Yeah. They felt like they were in that situation and they did what they had to do and I, I appreciate it and they sacrificed their lives for many. Yeah. <clears throat> so I kind of feel disrespectful going, if I was in a situation, what would I do? I'd like to think I would have reacted. I'd like yeah. to think that, but I wasn't there. Right. Um, so I'll try to not to have hubris about that. You yeah. Know what I mean? But in this sport, in this cage, or on the mat, um, in my head, I start smiling when that stuff happens mm-hmm. because that's when, again, when you realize who you are. When lose or draw, you go, <laughs> that's not in me. It's like I'm not ever going. I'm not going to quit. It's not in me. It's mm-hmm. not there. But I think it's human to go. Well, I could find that door and find that out. That conversation is definitely going on in people's right. heads. You know, I think some for some people that kind con- like that that other voice wins out. Sure. But like in difficult times, I, even on my, I was going on my run today, and like there's a, a couple different points. I even had like that little weak little voice in there. It's like, oh, dude, you can just stop for a second and just walk, or you can just cut through this right here. Like, right, and, right. like I was going through some switchbacks. I'm like, oh, you can just cut right here and just make this shorter. And I'm just like, nah, shut up. Like, right. You got to quiet the voice. Yeah, yeah, quiet like yeah. that. Because like there's that dichotomy in all of us. I Everybody's feel like. got it. Yeah. Right? I firmly believe that everybody, and this doesn't apply to me, it's everybody else. <laughs> of that's, course. That's my competition mindset is everybody wants to quit. You just have to give them a reason to want to quit. Yeah. So I can't swim, but <laughs> I try to take everybody to the grab them, take them to the deep end of the pool and go, here, this is where we're going to exist. We're going to yeah. exist in this space right here. And I'm going to make you uncomfortable for the amount of time that we have to be here. I'm not going to do a Vandalay and try to get you out in 10 seconds. Yeah. I want to keep you here if we're supposed to be here for 15 minutes. I'm going to make you uncomfortable for an entire 15 minutes. And along the way, you're going to want to quit. But yeah. I'm not going to let you. <laughs> I'm not going to let you. You're going to have to be here for the entire 15 minutes. I'm just going to keep taking your head and dunk you in the water. Then I'm going to go into water and I'm going to pull you with me. Yeah. I think the only way you get there, though, the way to, to cultivate that voice and that mentality is just to keep doing difficult shit. Right. Right? Agreed. You got to challenge yourself. You got to right. make yourself uncomfortable, right? So you can get Always. comfortable with it. Always. Yeah. And I think it gets to a point where it's just second nature and you can just care less. Make yeah, that's how you get there. Cause Who cares, right? You what are going to do me? Quiet that other done. voice permanently for the right. most part. What's uh, what's another <clears> – <throat> what's the worst thing that's going to happen to you at a tournament? Somebody put you to sleep? Yeah. Okay. But it's like well. a constant thing. Like you have to like constantly be like working at it. You know what I mean? I mean yeah. For example, I mean – you can like say you, you cultivate that for a certain period of time, but right. if you stop doing difficult stuff, then like it's easy to become soft. It could, right? It could. So it's. I think. <clears throat> I think it could be. Got to maintain and, it. And maybe that's when it passes people by. Yeah. But I think if you're also realistic and in touch with who you are, I think sometimes that's the difference. When. Uh, Kaiser Sose said, uh, you know, he showed men of will what true will was. Gangster. Right. Uh, to me, that was a big quote because that's what it's about. Yeah. Every, every time you walk on the mat, it's 
So show men and what with true girl is. Yeah, yeah. man. Usual suspects. Dude, that's one of the most gangster movies. Kaiser Soze is one of yeah. the most gangster fictional characters of all time. Right. Kaiser oh Soze. Kaiser Soze. Dude, he killed his own family, bro. He was Kakui. And then he killed everybody else. Right. And anybody they knew. Right. But I always, like, I always think of that. Like, if <clears throat> my idea um, of violence, right, and I truly mean this, uh, I, I tend to think I'm not a violent person, but I have violent tendencies if I need to, need to. Yeah. I'm not opposed to it, but it's always the appropriate tool for the appropriate job. And I'd prefer to be a peaceful man, but you don't always have that option. Yeah. The problem is that when I cross that line, yeah, I'm, uh, I've, I'm, <coughs> I'm a violent person. I've grown up that way. It's just yeah. what you would, what you deal with. I don't turn it off so easy, and I don't care about consequences when it comes to stuff like that. You made a decision to do it, and that's kind of what it is. I yeah. just walk myself in police station and be like, all right, all right, all right, all right. What's that saying? It's better to be a, a warrior in a garden than a garden in a war? Right. Yeah. I firmly believe that. Oh, yeah. 100% believe that. And I try to tell my kids that all the time. Like, be prepared for it. Um, I'm just not a person of consequence when I have to cross that line. It's what it is. Because I believe if you did something so horrible to me to elicit that reaction, then you kind of get what you get. Yeah. And I would need to ensure that you won't come back and look for retribution. Oh, yeah. And I firmly believe that, and that's just how I'm wired. So I want you to leave with a limp so I see you when you come back and you remember me every day when you have to walk and to get out of bed. Yeah. But bad enough, where when your son's of age, he doesn't want to come looking for me either. You go, it's not going to be good for any of us. I don't want to yeah. do that kind of thing. And I don't say that to want to sound all, all badass or anything. I think that stuff's overrated. That's just... How I, it's how I'm wired. That's how you look at it. That's how I look your at it. mindset. It's my mindset. That's all right. Yeah, it just is what it is. We're all just people, man. That's it. Doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. Yeah. But we're all flawed. Yeah. Well, I mean, we all have dark energy. Yeah. And that's okay. It's like the light and the dark. That's okay. It's a yin and a yang. There's dichotomy to everything. It's got to be. It's the we, live, we live in such a time where people. So it makes us interesting. Yeah. Well, sometimes I'm trying to find the words, but it's like sometimes people want to act like as humans, like you're either this or that. We're so quick to like label people like yeah. you're either this or that. We want to put people in boxes, but it's like life isn't simple. And it, it never will be. And there's like there's there's two sides to everything right. almost. Right. And there's always this, there's constant like this like this dichotomy, this like this sure. balance that's always happening. And sometimes I, I mean, think one of the worst things you can do is label somebody or try to come up with yeah. your impression of who somebody is before you know them. Um, like don't even put yourself <clears throat> in a box. No, not at all. And I mean, before we spent a lot of time together, you know, who you thought I was is probably completely different also. Yeah. I know the impression a lot of people get of me is completely different than who they end up figuring out I am. But You're just very sure of yourself. Yeah, I just don't care. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes people take that as... Um, uh, as, as sometimes it's stuck up or arrogant, and I'm none of those things when people get to know me. Yeah. But I know people think that, but I don't really care because if you took the time to know me, then you'd know different. And if you don't take the time, then I don't really care. Yeah. Well, here's also the thing, though, and I think this is an important thing because you have to audit the energy that you allow around you. Right. And you don't just allow any bullshit around you. I don't. <laughs> and that's a lot of times why it probably comes off that way because I'd yeah. rather not have those people around me. So whatever it takes – Whatever energy I have to give out for you not to be around me, <laughs> then yeah. I'm cool with it. Yeah. But the people I want in my circle, I want around me, then I'll definitely stop and give them a, an opportunity. And right. Yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. It's just 
It's just whether or not you just want to let that person around. Right. Sometimes I make quick judges of, like judgments about people. And we can I'm be just, wrong. I'm just like, ah, nope, you're not the one I want around. Right. It just takes time. Yeah. You know, then, you know, opportunity presents itself and situations change in the environment probably more accurately. And people have a chance to maybe show you who they are. You, you have a more open mindset to accept who somebody is. Yeah. Well, we're always evolving like through the seasons, yeah. like for real. Yeah. And I mean, well, glad I'm not the person I used to be. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, man. You but families do that to you. and Oh, oh God. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, we were at an event not too long ago and some madness broke out. Oh, yeah. And I was very thankful that I evolved to the point where, I, you know, I grabbed somebody and went the other way rather than what I know I would have done in the past. And that was not even asking a question and just start. Started throwing hands. Yeah, just throwing, you know, two-piece and a biscuit, right? Yeah, man. But that's evolution, and that's maybe going, this might not be the time to do that thing. Yeah. I haven't been in many street fights. I've been a handful. Really? Yeah. Yeah. From probably day one of being a kid. My, 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 I got kicked out of the first day of daycare. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Apparently somebody grabbed my whatever toy it was. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we didn't have a whole lot, so whatever it was was mine, and somebody took it, so I wouldn't have got it back. Don't and touch I, it. Yeah, I got kicked out of daycare that day, and they called me uh, Cassius Clay for the longest time. <clears throat> and then my dad tells a story. If you can imagine um, the frame of a TV, right? And um, he was standing in front of the kitchen sink looking outside the window outside the house, and there I go on my tricycle in frame out of frame. And, and some kid followed me. Then coming back in frame was this kid on my tricycle and me walking behind the kid. And he said the next frame was me on my bike, on my tricycle, come this way, and then the kid back in frame holding his eye. And he goes, I realized at that moment you'd be okay. <laughs> I knew I couldn't come home without a tricycle. Yeah. At whatever age you're on a tricycle, I knew enough to know that. So, And I remember my, my bike also being stolen when I was probably in elementary school, probably fifth or sixth grade, and I, because I left it on the porch. In, or inside the house and somebody took it. I knew I couldn't go in the house and say that to my mom. Because, again, we didn't have a whole lot. So I would literally remember sitting on the porch waiting for the next few hours. Like, if you're stupid enough to come by here, you probably live around here, and you're going to be stupid enough to drive back by. Yeah. And they came back by. I got my bike. Yeah. And I left it on the porch after that every day. <laughs> Never worried about anybody taking my bike. Oh, man. Yeah. How'd you get your bike back? <laughs> I wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> my bike back. So it just happened. It just <laughs> magically appeared. <laughs> yeah. Well, man, you can't have that that victim mentality, right? I no, mean, you so can't. many people want to live in a victim. It's almost cool to be a victim these days. You know, I like so in kids' class, I tell them all the time, you were not brought into this world to be a victim. Yeah. Your parents did not bring you to me to be a victim. Yeah. I refuse to allow you to be a victim. Yeah. And I refuse to let my children... I refuse to let my friends have that mentality. You know, my mother would not allow me to be a victim or to claim victim type, you know, tendencies to this day. I'm t I mean, she's she's a G, a five carat wearing gangster and wouldn't accept it at this age. She'd be like, well, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you know, I remember posting on a team page telling people she was going to go to Worlds. And I said, so you better get right because she'll tell you about yourself. Oh, for real? Yeah. And she will tell you about but yourself. But she's so nice. She is, but <laughs> she'll tell you about yourself. And she does. Oh, yeah. You'll find out. She is a gangster. Yeah, man. You just can't, cannot be a fucking victim, dude. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't understand that mentality. Yeah, I don't understand it either. I don't know, I don't know what, what is the driver there. 
you know, I'm maybe to get people on your side, try to get sympathy. Yeah, I think maybe sometimes it's just that, that internal struggle. I mean, sometimes I think it's lack, lack of pre- preparation, whether it's just an event of life, and then definitely lack of um, just having work ethic. Yeah, we gotta take ownership. We right. just own this shit, man. Integrity. Yeah. You know what you do when people aren't around, which goes right back to preparation, mm-hmm. work ethic, all those things. Yeah. All those things, and I think you realize it even more. And you kind of have to put your money where your mouth is when you do have kids. Because oh, yeah. you start repeating all those things and saying all those things. Then you start looking at yourself going, do I have all those things? When actions speak louder than words, dude, because it's been shown that kids actually are more influenced by, like, their peers. So it's really right. important to, like, make sure they're around. But they're, like, from the time they're young, they're always watching you. And they repeat what they see you do. Yeah, like, you can say whatever you want to say, right. but it really matters what you do. Right. That whole do as I say, not as I do shit, like, that's not that's not where it's at. That's for the birds. Like, yeah. you got to do it, like. I mean, I worry. Like, I worry that when I get frustrated with one of them, I, I try to audit what comes out of my mouth and I say it. Yeah. I don't want them to feel like um, success means winning, for instance. Uh, there's been times where they've lost in a competition. They thought I was going to get really upset. And it's like, no, I'm, I don't get upset if you lose. That's You're misunderstanding this. It's about the effort you put out. Oh, yeah. It's about um, the integrity you have. When you win or lose, how you carry yourself. It's about your commitment to yourself and about the preparation, things like that. Those are things I care about. And if you yeah. do those things and somebody still beats you, then, I mean, what are you going to do? He's, they were better than you. Yeah. But what energy did you put into that moment? Those are things I care about. Yeah, because the outcome is taking care of itself. It's if, already been predetermined. If you've already done everything yeah, else. It's already been done. Right. Yeah. Those are things I care about. And you really start to realize that the more you have kids or young children around you or even students. You know, whether they be adults or not, that stuff all checks you real quick. Yeah. Yeah. That's the greater responsibility. becomes a whole lot less about you and ego and anything you might think of yourself. Yeah. That's a, that's like a transition to where you you move from worrying about, like you said, from yourself yeah. to the success of others. Yeah. Yeah. That's a real thing. I remember listening to uh, Mike Tyson on Rogan, and they were asking him, like, hey, you still at the bag? He's like, I can't won't do that. Do you remember listening to that one? Yeah. Why did he say he couldn't again? He said ego. Oh, it was He's ego? Like, yeah, ego. And I get it. Like, I I never knew how to express that. So when he mentioned it, it it uh it made sense to me and it rang true. Yeah. Because there's this, you know, they say there's a fine line between genius and sanity. But there's a very fine line between being in that mental state you need to be in as a very competitive athlete. Yeah. And being a, a model citizen <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, well, the association for him hitting that bag is a whole different thing yeah. than most people. I mean, yeah. when he hit that bag, he was literally training to go murder a man. Yeah, he was working through with things. With his hands. Like but that. it really depends on your mindset and who you are yeah. personally. Because me in competition is also me standing on top of some bar doing some stupid stuff. Yeah. That I don't need to be doing. <laughs> and that's just kind of the mindset that it like it come becomes very much a... Um, I have to find a way to, um, all this energy comes with it. All this energy. You've seen me get heated and yeah. start getting, we've seen me get worked up. <laughs> and I'm not always that way. Yeah. But I know that when I get upset or if I get bothered, if I get mad, that that's not an easy place for me to come back from. So I tend to not try to turn that switch on. Yeah. Because once that gets switched, gets turned on, it's not. Sometimes it's like that, you know. It is. Sometimes it beats that way. Like, oh, I blacked out or I just saw red. And it it's is. Just like, and I've been that way my whole life. So I like when he said that about hitting the bag, for me it made complete sense because when it's competition mode or it's something different or it's when 
you determined. Yeah. Maybe that's the word. When you determined about something, it becomes something different, mm-hmm. something much grimier. And um, that's something I have to audit. Yeah. I, don't, I wonder if – can that be taught? I don't think that can be taught. I don't think it can be taught. Yeah, I think it can be. That's like something innate. It's just you are. I don't think it can be taught. Yeah. And like we were talking about worrying about competitions and your space and where you need to be. Like I always think who cares because we performed on a Saturday morning uh, when I first started jiu-jitsu every Saturday because what fri- the stuff we were doing Fridays <laughs> and still showed up at 9 a.m. to do that stuff. Yeah. And in a room that was what temperature with all these – you know, air quote killers. Yeah. They were trying to, you know, take their scalp, take scalps, you know. And if I can do it then, all I got to do is show up today and under good conditions and do it, man, I'm not worried about that. Yeah. Not worried about that. You going to start competing more? Uh, I compete when I feel like it. It was the same when I fought. So I already signed up for Kansas City. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That'd be you good. Know? And I just said to do this and I uh, secured a couple of sponsors to, uh, to assist with some of the uh, some of those things, some of the travel, to get that thing to do it more. But you know, again, my time's not always my time. Yeah, kids are in a sport. I'm in a sport. <sighs> yeah, so, kids got a lot of sports. Yeah, a lot of activities. But you know, even with fighting, I fought when I felt like it. Yeah. Guess what? I feel like doing some stuff. So I'm gonna do some <laughs> stuff. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, man. A lot of things coming up. A lot of things coming up. October and November. Yeah. Yeah. They got to be worth my while, and they have to be worth the time. You ever think about doing Nogi and uh, Nogi Worlds in December? Uh, probably won't fit time frame wise, but I've, I want it as purple. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it'd be great. Be fun. Be fun. I've always thought my level was higher without the gi than with the gi. Yeah. But it's like I did that my whole life is what it felt like wrestling. So that I think that's why the gi yeah. piqued my interest a little bit more. It was something different. I like the gi. I prefer yeah. the gi. Yeah. It's just more technical. Works with my mind a little bit more. So yeah, more to do. I don't like getting wrapped. I hate when people wrap me up in the gi. Yeah, because sometimes I feel like <clears throat> they don't really have like a good technique there. They're just wrapping you up with some shit, trying to hold you. Like they don't really know what they're doing. Or sometimes they do. Or sometimes they do. They learn how to straight jacket people and choke you with your own stuff. Some people do. Yeah. So I tend to think that's more of a. They've got a game plan mapped out in their head of how to get there, and then you know yeah. figure out how to untangle this web. I think it's like a scapegoat sometimes. I'm like, oh, this is an easy control. Let me just wrap you up with your gi. Let me just pull this here. I don't know what I'm really doing. Or they'll just like wrap you up a r- like a weird way that's not a real technique because they're just r- trying shit with their gi. Why'd you let them get there? Because I'm dominating on top and they just start pulling my shit out of nowhere because they got tired of getting submitted. We're talking practice here. Right. Something you got to learn how to deal with, though. Right? <laughs> it just is what it is. I'm just bitching. Keenan starts worm guarding you and stuff. And then you're What's like, that? What's worm guard? Oh, that's an old man. I need you to watch some videos. Oh, God. I've never heard that. Yeah. So Keenan will pull guard. He'll put out, pull out the lapel, the skirt of the gi, intermingle it between legs and this and that. And then it's just almost impossible to get rid of. Oh, uh, Sometimes I'll pull out someone's gi and I'll, I'll grab it between their legs. Yeah, like sit-up guard. Yeah. Yeah, sit up guard. It's yeah. so much more intricate than that. Oh, it's I like mean. it's like a sweep every time. It's like yeah. Well but a lot of it comes down to that game that people play when it comes down to that last advantage to win a match though too. Yeah. Because it tangles you up in that position to kinda get some things like that. But that's like legitimate like strategy. You can tell the difference when somebody like has a technique. Sure. Or sure. or if they're just No, I think I think worm guard is one hundred percent strategy. I just don't like people play like I'm gonna play the the percentages of Sweep, sweep. 
I've swept. I let you sweep me. Now I'm going to get the advantage at the end. Yeah. And that's that's a strategy, and I think it's a crutch. Playing the system, man. Playing the system. But, hey, it's, it's, it's in the rules, I guess, right? Yeah. Well, people are always going to try whatever. Like They're going to try to game whatever system they can, whether it's sure. – Submission only, or yeah. it's you know. Uh, you know, in a lot of tournaments, <clears throat> no gee tournaments, you can't use um, uh, like a can opener. You know, oh, you're, really? you're inside somebody's guard, you grab the head, pull the head mm-hmm. towards your chest. All you have to do to stop that though is open your guard, and it takes the pressure off your spine. Right. But a lot of people use it as a uh, way to open the side's guard so you can pass. Some people use it as submission. Some tournaments don't allow it as a submission. So if I'm using it just to open your guard, you go, eh, verbal tap. Yeah. Now you're DQ'd. I feel like you're going to get armbarred if you do that. You could, depending on how – you could, but yeah. you have to open your guard, and that's the point. You have to open your guard. That's the point, to do that. Yeah. I feel, do you do you do that? No, oh, do that. I was going to say, like, that's like – I don't know how to do that. I, know, I was going to be so shocked. <laughs> no, do that crap. See, that's like such a low-grade <laughs> It is. Pass. That and, you know what, I guess I shouldn't say this is a low-grade pass, but it kind of is, but it's not at the same time because Rodrigo, like, he'll put the forearm, like, actually on. But it's different when he does it. Well, yeah, but you talk about on the thigh, right? Yeah, when people but start people driving the, elbow. the elbows in the thigh, that's so low-grade shit. Right. Like, it but doesn't think, work against anybody good. Yeah, I think if you forearm and taking the – Forearm, yeah, it's a little bit this, different. This, this space here to use that space as a, as a, a means uh, or as a tool yeah. to open a guard is different than sticking an elbow in, Yeah, it's it just is, pain. It I don't care the, about that. So what, what is that? You're just sitting there just like working a knot out right now. That like, just, <laughs> Which I appreciate, but it means I'm going to hurt you. <laughs> it, it really does. Later. Yeah. Sloppiness, dude. Te- hmm. Technique means a lot, man. That's why people ask you who you got your belt everything. from, not what level are you. I mean, you get a black belt, I don't care. Who'd you get it from? Yeah. Who gave it to you? But there's so many black belts, it's impossible to know them all. Sure, sure. But who they get their belt from and who they get theirs from. Yeah, the lineage. Go back. It's not lineage. a big. It's not a big lineage when you really think. I mean, how many are there? I, for like us, the OGs. I mean, we're. Um, you know, I, that popped up in my timeline on jujitsu the other day. It was about this time last year, and I posted my lineage, uh, which was, <clears throat> let's just say, you know, um, you know, came from Japan, and then. Oh. Came from Jap- yeah, there you go. There we go. Came from Japan. It's still off, I think. Oh. One ear. I, I got to get new adapters for that, but it's not affecting the okay. recording. Oh, you're good? Not anymore. <laughs> Did yours do it? Yeah. Right. Are we there? Rick, fix him. What's going on with this guy? No, he won't be able to hear it. I should have made sure. You, you, your, your headphones still messed up? Yeah. Crackle, crackle. I don't know, dude. We're almost done, though. Just keep talking. Okay. So, um, you know, we go from Japan right into Elio or, or, or Carlos, however you want to look at it. And that goes right to Hickson, you know, which goes right to Rodrigo and uh, directly to me. So, I mean, to me, it doesn't get any better than that. It doesn't get any better. It's the best we got right now. <laughs> yeah, no, Hickson's the fucking man. Right, right. I mean, that's straight from the root. How many people? Oh, man, these headphones are fucking with me right now. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get new adapters. Is that working for you? It's working for me. It's only working in one of yours. One year. Yeah. Oh, okay. But yeah, Hickson is the man. All right, Hickson is the man. We'll wrap it up on that, Tracy. It's an hour anyway. <laughs> it's coming in, it's going out. But direct lineage is huge. Yeah, it really is. Um, 
But it's so hard to keep track in the sense of, so we know like the, the main Gracies, right? Right. But then you get like the Machados. Are the, are the Machados the only one in the Gracies family that don't have the Gracie name? No, they're, co- they're, yeah. they're yeah, cousins, Yeah, they're cousins, right? They're cousins. But yeah, it was a, like one of the sisters yeah. married a Machado. I think even, even um, uh, what's his name? The big one, the tall one, uh, that's Hodger. Yeah. Hodger technically, blood is, but his mom was a Gracie. His father's not. Right. But he took the Gracie name. I would too. Exactly. But his father's freaking amazing too. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I think the Machados are the only one who didn't get the Gracie name. Yeah. Yeah. That's what John Jock was saying on JRE. Right. Right. They're they're phenomenal. I used to go train with Carlos uh, in Dallas sometimes. Yeah. They're all phenomenal. John Jock and the true essence of jiu-jitsu with only having – you know, the one true hand and then the other hand, you know, not having full grips. Yeah, he's missing and, fingers. Yeah, and being able to still do all it, I mean, it's amazing. It's a testament yeah. to, to will, fortitude, and then the sport. Yeah, you think most of the Gracies, or at least those old school ones, are in the States now, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's where the money's at. Yeah. Right. That's how everything happened, you know, in the 80s. The money was here, so let's go conquer that thing and introduce, you know, these Westerners to yeah. this thing we do. It, so I had that conversation. The other, I feel like I keep having a lot of conversations, and I keep saying it that way. i got to find a different segue. Um, <laughs> the Dirty Dozen. What's that? Uh, we got to pick up your, your level here, Adam. The Dirty Dozen, the first Americans to get belts from to get black belts from Brazilians. Oh, I know Shane Maxwell is one of those. Yeah, and it's, it's amazing when you look at that list and how, I mean, there's no better, as, as much as Kaiser Sose is a pretty dope story or dope name or character, to have that, um, to, have, to have been, you know, um, knighted yeah. as one of the dirty dozen for the rest of your life, be amazing. Oh, wow. Be amazing. You I'm going to look this up. I didn't know there's there's 12 of them. Yeah. The, 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 and I think they probably just picked an arbitrary number since, ah, you know, okay. that preexisted and said these first 12. Oh. It's pretty badass. And, you yeah. know, their lineage and who they got them from, they're all, you know, huge names. Um, you want me to top your head? Did Chuck Norris? He guys, I know he no, got his black belt from Machado's. Yeah, he wasn't one of the dirty dozen, though. Okay. But, and I can't remember all the names, but, you know, there's some amazing people on that. And even the people right outside that initial circle is a pretty amazing, too. And then you forget how this thing is all pretty recent. Yeah. You know, so even so you would like be 30, familiar years. most likely with most of the names, even right outside of that dirty dozen, go, oh, yeah, okay, I know who that guy is. And even more so, <clears throat> I feel horrible for the women who didn't get as much attention. And there's some dirty, dirty d- women on that dirty dozen for women oh, yeah? that were amazing too and pioneers. And they don't get they look get looked over way too much. Speaking of pioneers, you know what I need to read? Um, fuck it, what's that book you told me to read? Uh, a Fighter's Tale. Fighter's Heart. Fighter's Heart. Yeah. I still have it's it's next. One, I'm gonna read it after I finish this book. That I'm really good. Now. I really it's really good book. And then. Uh, Fighter's Heart, then A Fighter's Mind. Yeah. And then um, my friend Valerie Worthington uh, wrote a book, and it's sitting next to it. It's on my dresser as well, and I can see it, and I forget what it's called right now. But uh, she's got a really interesting story. She trained under um, <clears throat> under Carlson Gracie in Chicago. Mm. And I believe she was a purple at the time, and he died, so it was just junior. So she decided now she had this opportunity to kind of go out and and explore now that, you know, she was kind of a ronin, so to speak. You know, we talked about that last time. Yeah. And she decided to take her jujitsu pilgrimage and just travel the world and have merry ventures. So she sold her condo, 
bought a car, quit a job, and went and traveled. And the first place or well, the top three places she stopped at the beginning was St. Louis. She went on a message board and said, this is where I'm at. This is what I want to plan. Where should I go? What places should I stop by? And uh, we popped up on the message board. Somebody popped up and said, go to St. Louis. Asher Tracy, go to Hedrigovagis. Go train there. It's one of the places you have to stop on a journey, which I think is actually pretty cool that yeah. we got mentioned in that whole thing. Rodrigo's the deal. We're pretty fortunate yeah. to have him yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Training Wheels is what the book is called. And uh, she came. She visited. She stayed. She hung out. She watched fights with us. She trained with us. And she blogged the whole thing online as she did it and watched her adventure. It was cool to see her just traveling the country and her progress through. And I would go to tournaments, you know, maybe in California somewhere. And I'd see her, and we'd touch base every couple of months, and you could see her belt level just kind of increased, and all of a sudden she's a black belt. And it was just like, hey, that's my friend. He's traveling the country. And yeah. Kind of be part of that whole thing. She even reached out um, when she was doing the book, and she's like, hey, can I use your name? And can I use Rodrigo's? And at the time, I think we were going to be the only two names she was going to mention in the book. Lost out. And I was like, you can't do that. Like, you need pictures, and you need to mention names, because I think that's documenting the journey is what makes it important. Yeah, documentation is huge. I think it's huge. Oh, it yeah. changes the game. You know, I think yeah. that it was such a big deal. Like even to be a player in her history of time. Yeah, when no was this? No matter how small. Man, probably two thousand and six or seven when yeah. she did that. It's but a while the book's ago. in the last three years. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean she slept on couches. She made her way to Alaska. She I mean, she did it all. Did it all, saw it all. Wow. That's a hell of a journey. Be, it would be, you know, we so call those people jujitsu bums, uh, but not her. Like she was actually looking for something. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. I think there's a difference. You know? It's all about the journey, really. I agree. We're all on our own. Right. Sometimes you're a jujitsu bum. And I'd take it in a second. I don't. I wouldn't mind it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I'll figure it out. We'll get there. We'll, we'll do it. We'll get there. All right, brother. Let's wrap this up. Hey, I want to be respectful of your time at Rick's time. I always want to say that. Well, dude, the thing is, we can oh, talk. Oh, now for, they want to work. Oh, yeah, they're working now? Yeah, they're we, working. The thing is, we can talk forever. It's just uh, now we're just trying to keep these to a good time frame. That's all right. We'll come back. <laughs> we'll be back soon. Uh, all right, man. Appreciate it. Cue the music. Hey, guys. I hope you are getting value out of the podcast. Again, if you are, leave a rating, leave a review, tell a friend. All these things help. Also, big thank you to Convergence MG. Convergence Media Group. Go to convergencemg.com. Check them out. You can also check them out on all social platforms at Convergence MG. Man, we are improving the video experience. So if you like listening to this, go watch it. Go over to YouTube. Uh, search Outside Perspective. You'll find us very easily. Hit that subscribe button and, uh, and, and enjoy the video experience. So. If you would like to also work with Convergence, they work with companies across all different industries uh, from all over the country. And what they do is they will help you with your video and audio and uh, your content and your strategy and your marketing. And they're just like a one-stop shop to help you build your brand and, uh, and help create a presence for you online. So Convergence MG and then as always imposedwill.com go check us out you can save 10 percent off of the apparel uh just by using the code outside man we all have a goal and we all have a life that we want to live and we all are capable of imposing our will uh 
and we want you guys to to realize the power that you have so come over to imposedwill.com join the community and impose your fucking will and that's all i got for you guys i love you and i will see you guys next time Mwah.